I'm Emily Swinford, and with some help from my friend, Todd Studer at Todd Studer Productions, you are listening to Emily Sells Iowa, the podcast. Join me, my colleagues, clients, and friends as we discuss real life, real estate. Please note that the opinions and content of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, any realtor associations, or any other persons or entities. If your property is listed with a real estate broker, please know that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. If you're interested in buying or selling properties, what is happening in your community, or what's new in the real estate world, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to this episode of Emily Sells Iowa. I'm Todd Studer. We are joined by Emily Swinford, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate with offices in Glenwood and Council Bluffs, Iowa. And Emily, not in studio today. Not often that we say that, but fortunately, technology has allowed us to still be able to get together, even though there's uh, we've got weather going on, we have health going on with everybody just trying to stay safe. But uh, we do uh, thank you for your time and to uh, make sure that we can get more information out there. Yeah, thanks, Todd. This is our second time recording remotely, and um, the Iowa winter weather has officially hit. There's snow on the ground. Uh, kids are going to school late. I've had sick kids at home this week, so we are full winter season now, apparently. Well, and that's just kind of normal, I think, for this time of year. It's not going to be the first time you've gone through this type of thing. But uh, also, uh, you brought on some special guests onto the program today. Yeah, I did. I'm really excited about this. Um, so I've brought with me Logan and Kara West. Um, we all have are connected to each other through various different channels and have been for a long time. And I'll kind of let them tell their story and why they're here together um, and how that all kind of worked out. But uh, Logan and I went to high school together. Uh, we're friends in high school. Uh, Kara went to uh, Northwest Missouri State and grew up around Maryville. Um, and that's where I went to college. And so we always kind of knew of each other, the relationship uh, kind of um, grew from more of a friendship to a business relationship when they moved to Glenwood and I helped them buy their house here. And then since they've bought their house here, Logan has taken on a position with Benchmark Mortgage. Uh, Rachel Pierce works with him there and has been on this uh, podcast before. And then Kara is a licensed realtor now who works with me on our team. And so we have a whole lot going on, but I thought it would be kind of fun if they could just kind of tell their story and why they're here in Glenwood and how that whole house buying process went for them. And then maybe just talk about their businesses and what they do here. Well, Kara, before we get to the point where we discuss just how horrible Emily is to work for, <laughs> we want to uh, talk with both of you a little bit about the process, about what it was like uh, working with Emily and and. Uh, with, with that house purchase and everything that you did with that. Tell us a little bit about that story. Uh, it was great. The, I mean, the process was great. Emily is super patient. She showed, I don't know how many houses she showed us. And it was like a two year, 18 month, two year window that we were looking to come back to Glenwood. And it just took a while to find the right house. And, and ultimately Emily found that house or the house that we live in now off market. Uh, and that was a whole different experience. Uh, and I honestly, I think it probably saved us a lot. I think it got a little bit rough, not for us, but for, for the sellers. But our, our buying experience was fantastic. And again, I think it saved us a fair amount of money. Yeah. And I will say patience was definitely a big virtue with Emily, because like Logan said, it took us a really long time to find something that really kind of checked all of our boxes down here in Glenwood. We were pretty happy and content in the neighborhood we lived in in Omaha. So we knew it was going to take something fairly special to get us motivated to, to move. And you know, she looked and looked and looked and eventually we found the diamond in the rough and 
here we are now. It's it's wonderful. I remember the day that she called. She was like, I think I found the house. <clears throat> she said, it's a lot like your brother's house. And I was like, okay. And uh, we walked in. It's actually the exact same house. There's two houses in, in Mills County that are built like this, and the Wests own both of them. <laughs> we like to call it a monopoly. Right. Yeah, after we just kind of, like, hopped around and, you know, like, kind of waiting for the right one to come up. You guys weren't, like, on a specific timeline or anything. And then Heather Donchesky, who's another realtor that works with Kara and I, uh, she called me and she said, hey, I have this new listing coming up, but they don't want to put it on the market for personal reasons. They had an occupation where they didn't want their, um, you know, property out there on the open market, which is really, really rare and unique. So it was a great opportunity for these guys. But I looked at the house and I was like, oh my gosh, that is Logan's brother's house. They're going to buy this. <laughs> and I, I don't even think I was in town when you guys did the walkthrough. I think um, I had a call in reinforcements to have it shown to you because I don't think I was the one that showed it to you originally, but just kind of a fun story. And how are you guys liking being back in Glenwood? Well, I'm not originally from Glenwood, um, but I was from a small town. We'd lived in Omaha for quite a while. And I think moving to a small town was really the adjustment that our family needed. Um, it's nice to be back in a small community where we can do things to help our community and actually see those things that we're doing, you know, see them make a difference. I like being back in a small town. Like I said, I wasn't necessarily from Glenwood, but small town feeling is definitely home to me and it's really nice to have that again yeah i would say that it's nice to be back home i mean there's parts of me that that, that say i would love to get you know to go far far away and go you know live somewhere else for a while but really i it's always nice to come home you get like you go on vacation and then you come back home and it's like i'm really really happy that we're here i also think i mean we're a lot closer to family my dad lives a mile down the road my mom lives with us my brother lives three miles away and Kara's family is a lot closer as well. I mean, it put us an hour closer to her, her mom and dad and her brother as well. So it's definitely nice to be back. Especially with all the kids we have. Uh, so Logan and I, um, both growing up here in Glenwood and now Kara has been able to join us. And then Heather too, of course, on our real estate team. And then with our relationship with Rachel Pierce and Logan's role at Benchmark, we've been able to do a lot of a lot more local stuff, I think. You know, all, all the veterans events that I've talked about a lot here on this podcast, um, we've partnered with Logan and Rachel and now Kara on those. So it's been fun to have these guys back here because now we're friends, plus we get to work together, plus we get to kind of give back to our community as well in that way. Well, Kara, I wanted to ask you, since uh, Logan, you are from Glenwood, but Kara, as you moved back to the area, was it just as you expected it would be? Were there any surprises? Were things different than you thought they would be? Where was your mind with that? Um, really, nothing is all that different than what I expected. I lived in a small town. I mean, I was born in a small town. I was raised in a small town. Um, I ended up leaving. So I grew up in Maryville, Missouri, which is where Northwest Missouri State University is at. Um, I went to high school, college, everything there. Um, and I left after I graduated college and moved to Omaha. Um, and I really enjoyed my time in Omaha. It was really nice. Honestly, the convenience of having everything you could ever want right at your fingertips or within, you know, 15 or 20 minutes is wonderful. And then of course I met Logan and had a family from there. And we started talking about moving back to a small town and I would say moving back. The biggest adjustment I've had to make is losing some of the conveniences that we had living in Omaha. But I mean, 
I also am a crazy, crazy planner. So I think that kind of helps with losing a little bit of the convenience that I, I try to plan for most things. So just kind of learning to accommodate, like you can't just run to the store to grab taco shells if you need them or, you know, little things like that. But I would say for the most part, it's been really what I expected. And it's really nice to be back in a small town and have that kind of small town feel again. How about that transition as you've gone into now the the same market with how you got connected with Emily and now you're selling real estate and, and helping folks buy uh, new homes? How's that process been? Um, I would say so far it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that a lot of people would describe it as fun, but I have a lot of people around. I surrounded myself with a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge and they're able to help me with a lot of things. So the whole process, getting my license and all of that, um, was just kind of a long process to me. I'd started talking to Logan a really long time ago about potentially wanting to get my real estate license. And I had told him, I don't, I don't know if he's ever even told Emily this. I had told him a really long time ago that my perfect storm, what would actually make me do it was, if I could work with Emily either like on her team or learn to be able to learn from her. I, I think she's incredibly smart. She knows the market really well. Obviously she's been doing this for a while and he went to breakfast with Rachel one morning and I don't know kind of where all of the wheels met and started turning. Um, but Emily had ended up texting me and she was like, I think you and I should sit down and have a conversation. And I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm open to that. So we did, we sat down for probably an hour or so, and I got a lot of really good information. I got a bunch of questions answered that I had kind of been wondering about. And from there I was like, okay, let's just go for it. So I did all of my classes online, uh, like via a Zoom link or a Zoom classroom. And I did it, like I said, on the weekends. And so I'm really thankful Logan and of course with his mom living here we had a lot of help that we needed with me being on the computer for you know 26 hours a weekend everybody else kind of had to step up and and make sure that kids were getting taken care of and the house was staying normal and all those kind of things so I finished my class and then um, it took me a couple times to pass my test but we got that done too and then just kind of jumping in, I think, was the best thing that I could have done. Um, I started kind of going to realtor events with Emily and Heather from the team and getting to know people. And yeah, it's been... Meeting your first clients. Yeah, yeah. Meeting my first clients. It's been, it's really, honestly, it's been fun, which like I said, I don't know that a lot of people would describe it that way, but I think it, it really gets me kind of out of my comfort zone, but it's in a really, really good way. So thus far, I have really enjoyed the process of even getting my license and getting to know the people in the business. And then, like Emily said, I secured my first contract back on Veterans Day. And even that for me was like just so fun, you know, just actually signing the papers and getting to do all of the things. So it's been a really good experience so far. I think, Todd, um, like the first time I met Kara, and I've never used this word in my life, and then I was trying to come up with a, you know, a Facebook post to kind of introduce her, welcome her to the team, the word sprightly came to mind. And 
I think that is my new favorite word and it describes Kara to a T. She was designed for this type of job. Um, she is full of energy. She's really, really smart. Um, she's already in a management position at her current job. Like she just, you know, you either get it or you don't. And she's just somebody who gets it. She's naturally able to talk to people um, and knows when to ask questions. You know, she's not going to pretend like she knows the answers, but she knows how to find the answers. And she's just a really authentic direct person. And so we're really excited to have her. But um, I love the sprightly, energetic, fun personality, because sometimes I can tend to be, while full of energy, a little bit more serious or negative. Sometimes I can come off that way. So Kara really helps balance us all out. She's a perfect fit. Logan, we want to talk with you about your role with Benchmark Mortgage, because your family now all pretty much works in the same industry, only just in different ways. Yeah. So I have a pretty unique role. I don't think there's many, if any, other mortgage companies in Omaha that have a role like mine. I don't produce loans, but I work with people in the industry to figure out how we can partner with them together. So business development is the is the word. I'm not a big fan of the word business development. I think it's a little bit cliche because it, it just is. Uh, I've been in a sales role in some form or fashion for the last 15 years and I don't like the word business development, but really that's what I do. When people ask me what I do for a living, I just tell them that I kiss a lot of babies and drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) But really what that means, it's a partnership. It really is. I mean, a lot of people look at, a lot of realtors look at loan officers or mortgage banks or mortgage companies as a vendor. And I want to get away from the term vendor. That's my whole goal with Benchmark is to be a partner, not a vendor. And there's a big difference. A vendor is somebody that just shows up and does what you want them to do. And then that's all the relationship that you have. And really my mantra the last six months has been, listen, if we can't do life together, then we probably shouldn't work together. And what I mean by that is I don't want to just talk to you about business all the time. Yes, that's a good thing, but I really want to have a deeper relationship with the people that I work with. And a lot of those people happen to be realtors. And then it's finding out what benchmark can do for them. We try not to be a one-sided company where we're just taking business from people and then not giving anything back. So that happens in a few different ways, whether it's going out for breakfast or dropping a birthday present off or or, uh, giving a referral. There's There's a lot of different ways that we try to provide value to realtors as well. So I'm on both sides of that. But I would say for the most part, I live in the real estate world a lot more than I do the loan officer world because I I work with realtors every day. So if somebody has an issue or if they have a problem that they can't solve, or if they're running into a roadblock that maybe somebody else I've talked to has run into before, I can lean on the different partners that I have to help people solve their problems. And I would say the two biggest questions that I ask people are, what are you struggling with? What do you want more of in your business? And then we figure out a plan to make that happen. So, and then along with that, uh, I am the, the veteran advocate or veteran ambassador for benchmark as well. I served in the military. I was in the Air National Guard for six years. So I can speak that language. Benchmark has a huge presence in the veteran community because we truly believe that veterans, along with everyone else, deserve the ability to own a piece of the land that they fought for. So we I host a, a veterans happy hour once a quarter and we try to do that at a locally owned either a brewery or uh, a distillery. And we just have an open tab for a couple hours and we invite all the veterans that we can, we advertise that through social media and get to meet a lot of people, have some camaraderie 
I think one thing about the military and anybody listening to this that's in the military is you have that bond with somebody. If, if you both serve, you know, it's a bond that not everybody has. So getting together with people who are like-minded is always great. And that's more of a thank you to the veterans than anything. It's, it's not benchmark pushing our name. It's not, hey, we want to sell you a house. It's, hey, we really appreciate what you've done for us and fighting for our freedoms. And this is a small piece of appreciation that we can give back to you. So kind of a dual role. I said a lot there, but really what I do is partner with people in our industry to be able to help them and give back to the veteran community and brand awareness. Logan and Kara, um, Todd, they are forces to be reckoned with. And I think one of the reasons why we all click so well, uh, myself, Logan, Kara, Rachel Pierce with Benchmark Mortgage, Heather Doncheski on our team is the, the thing that we all share. And I think Logan and Kara would agree is that we we're never those people that are that are stuck. If we find ourselves in a slump, we're always trying to pull ourselves out of it. We all have a very, I guess you could say, passion for having a growth mindset. And that's not always a perfect storm. It's actually a lot harder than what it sounds like. And it's not wake up in the morning and take cold showers and let's go, even though that's what it looks like You know, a lot of times on social media. It's truly climbing up those hills and trying to figure out how to keep going and that is one thing that I just love about working with these guys is we are just, I think everybody just shares that and we're always there for each other. If one of us is is starting to fall back a little bit, <laughs> all of these guys here, they help you know pull you up and, and keep you going. And that's just one of the reasons why I really love working with these guys and why I think, um, I think there's a lot of really good things that are coming our way here in the next couple of years. You guys have that that professional relationship, you've got personal relationship. And then the third part of that is what you do uh, with community outreach and the way that you're giving back to veterans and, and being a part of that yourselves. And, you know, Emily, very early on, we talked about that march that has been going on and is going, another event is coming up again, correct? Yeah. So they, um, and I'm actually going to let Logan take the lead on this because I am brand new to the 50 mile march. I've not uh, volunteered, but I have committed to um, walking next year and we'll start that qualifying process in 2023. I think the first qualifiers in April. So I need to get my um, uh, (laughs) butt back on the treadmill and get it in gear. But Logan actually completed the march last year um, and can probably talk a lot more about that than I can. Well, Logan, tell us a little bit about even what that march is and, and what's involved with it and why it exists. Yeah. And I, so I'm speaking for Jay here. Jay Morales is the guy that created it. Well, there's, there's three co-founders. There's Jay Morales, Jamie Seaman, and Matt Bills. Jay had this idea that he was going to walk 50 miles and raise money and, and give it back to veteran organizations in our community. And he did that for the first time in 2020, there were seven people that completed it together. And they raised $42,000, which they passed back through to Guitar Servettes, Nebraska, and Moving Veterans Forward. And we could have a whole nother conversation about those organizations as well. But so the first year, they seven people, $42,000. Uh, last year, they did 39 walkers and 150000 Had a goal of 100000 raised 150000 And this year... There was 59 walkers with a goal of 150,000, and we actually raised 240 or 250,000. I don't know what the final number was. Well, well north of 200,000. And this year, there was three organizations that were chosen to to give that money to. But there was a turn of events this year. Moving veterans forward is kind of where this all started. And what they do is provide household necessities for 
homeless veterans or veterans who are just moving into a home. So furniture, toiletries, clothing, blankets, anything you can think of that you would need to furnish a house or an apartment. These guys have it. And now this year, moving forward, they're still going to pass through some of that money. So it existed as a pass-through organization, a pass-through 501c, where they gave that money to other foundations who are already working in the veteran community to be able to keep them going. And now what they're going to do, what they're trying to do is fund a compound. Essentially, a compound is probably the wrong word. That sounds malicious, but they're... Like a small community. Yeah, small community for veterans. They're going to have... Uh, 22 tiny homes. They're going to house moving veterans forward there. So everybody's there. They're going to have jobs for these people to do vocational skills to get veterans back on their feet. And the money being raised now through the 50 mile march is going to contribute largely to that, which is just an even bigger and brighter goal for the veterans in our community, especially the ones that struggle. But that's really what it is. And I think we hear about the thought of them a lot. I don't know how many actually exist, but with with Jay Morales in front of this thing, I can guarantee you that it's going to get done. The guy just has no stop in him. He, he's a very driven guy. He has great ideas and he's surrounded himself with people that can help him get this thing to the finish line, which is, it's going to be really cool to see. Uh, but the symbology or the symbolism of the 50 mile March, the idea is when you get to that 44th, 45th, 46th mile that you really start thinking about veterans who are struggling with mental health or homelessness, this is how they feel when they wake up every day. So I, you know, I got to mile 45 or 46. I thought my foot was broken. I was ready to give up. And I, all I could do was just make it to the next light pole. You know, I got to that point where I was like, okay, that's just the next spot that I have to get to. But then you start thinking about why you're there and what you're doing it for. And that's the driving force to keep you going. It's like, man, there are people who struggle way more than what my physical pain is right now every single day, either because of the things that they've seen or the, the wars that they fought. There's a lot going on between the ears, right? That's, that's the biggest battle that you can't see. So the idea of walking 50 miles in 24 hours is so that your physical pain symbolizes what their struggles are every day. What was it like for you to actually complete that march? What kind of emotions went through your mind as you crossed that finish line? Uh, it was crazy. The last leg was two and a half miles. And when I got to the last stop before that two and a half miles, in my head, I was done. Like I, wa I wanted to quit. And I saw the people around me starting to get up and they're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to keep going. And I was like, okay. But that last two and a half miles, it's like adrenaline kicks in. You, you get a burst of energy and you're like, let's just get this thing done. And then when you cross the finish line, it, it's a hell of an accomplishment. I was awake for like 36 hours and you're tired. Your family's there. It's emotional. You realize what you've just contributed to. It's a hard thing to explain in words. It's definitely the hardest thing that I've ever done, probably physically and mentally. I mean, it's, and there's some people that would say, oh, I could do that, you know, and no big deal. But for me personally, it, it was, it was hard. It, it got really hard, probably around mile 40 was when things started to, you know, and you, you're thinking about the finish line and it's still 10 miles away, which is like five hours. And you just have to fight through those things. You really figure out how mentally tough you are when things hurt, when, when you physically hurt really bad. I was having this conversation just the other day uh, about a similar thing. And, and it was a time that I was on the Appalachian Trail and, and was still had four miles to go. And there were, they weren't sending a helicopter to pull me out. But you don't truly know what you're capable of 
both physically and mentally, until you have no other choice but right. to do it. Yep. And it sounds like that was the state that you reached as you were nearing the end of that. And you dug down and found something in yourself that I'm guessing you didn't know existed before that moment. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly done some hard things, but nothing to that, to the extent where I had to keep going for such an extended period of time. I could go run five miles and you get to the, the fourth mile and you're like, okay, you know, I'm close to being done and this is going to, this last mile is going to suck. But man, when you're, when you get to mile 40 and you got five hours left of walking to do or three hours left of walking, the longevity physically is hard to explain, but then your mental capability to, to just not quit. You just got to keep putting your feet in front of the other one. I don't know how to explain that to, to people who haven't experienced something like that. It is. Yeah. You, you get to a point. I mean, I had a choice. I could have quit, but I would have been, that's another thing that I thought to myself, you're, I'm going to be really mad at myself if I don't finish this thing and other people do, or I'm going to let somebody down. Or, I mean, you think of every excuse to quit and then you think of every reason to keep going. And luckily for me, the reasons to keep going were more powerful than the reason or the, the excuses to quit. When is the next March coming up? It's in August. I don't know if they've set a date for it yet or not. Yeah, they've set a date um, and I can post that. And, you know, we've talked about the March a lot on this podcast, actually. And I think um, what Logan's describing here is I think, and I don't know because I haven't experienced it, so I'm excited to be a part of it this year. But I think it does. I think once you are involved with it in whatever capacity that may be, and for me, that's just now starting to get involved, it's hard not to be passionate about it with those that are involved because I went to the first meeting and it was like being with a family and it was like being around people who are, like we said earlier, we talked a lot about this today, but just let, being around like-minded people. So um, I know we've talked about it a lot, but I'd love to get Jay on here someday uh, as it gets a little bit closer, but it is coming up in August and they're going to start, uh, we're going to start raising, are you doing it again this year, Logan? I am. Yep. Okay, good. So we're going to start raising money for it in 2023. So um, it's all happening and it's happening very soon. Logan West, Kara West, thank you both for uh, telling a part of your story and uh, being open about everything with what it's like to uh, be a part of the back into the community of Glenwood and everything else that you guys are doing. Uh, we really appreciate that. And, and again, great job today. We appreciate you taking the time to work with us here because obviously we're not in studio today. So we had to kind of adjust a little bit, but you guys did great. So thank you both. Thanks for having us. Yep, thank yeah. You. Thank you guys for coming. And also Emily, thank you for everything that you're doing and for uh, making all of this happen and introducing us to both Kara and Logan. We appreciate that as well. Emily Swinford is with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate with offices in both Glenwood and Council Bluffs, Iowa. This is Emily Sells, Iowa, and we thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. We release new episodes each week. So until next time, take care.